Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. I'll be reading today is from Psalm 127, and I'll be reading the first five verses. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, several weeks back, we began this, this sermon series called Pursuing Holy, or Aim for Holiness, and we, we were talking about what it means to pursue holiness, to, uh, to, to see what God has put before us, the way of living that God has put before us, and what it means to live into that, to grow into that. And what we found is that the world, the culture at large, there, there's all these voices that will compete for our attention and distract us and try to sway us and pull us in different directions. So it becomes increasingly important for us to turn to the Word of God and see what is that path, that straight and narrow path, which is so hard for us to follow, but what is it? That, that God is calling us into. And the word holiness, sometimes it sounds lofty. It sounds like this, this goal that we just can't possibly accomplish. But, but the word holy means set apart, meaning something different, something else, something other than what, what everyone else is doing. So this aiming for holiness simply means to pursue the path God has laid before us above all other paths. And you might remember at the beginning of this series, I talked about uh, aiming for a target. Like if, we, if we're aiming for holiness, just imagine a target that we're, we're trying to hit and we never quite get it. Sometimes we're close and we may need to, to tweak and retweak, realign, but we're always constantly uh, making these adjustments so that we can aim for the target of holiness that God has put before us. For that reason, I love the fact that this psalm mentions arrows, Shooting arrows, the, the, and uh, the psalmist talks about uh, the, the children being the arrows that we shoot into the future, and, um, and that is certainly relevant for today's message. But I think it's also relevant because uh, in ancient Greece, the archer was considered somebody who had direction in their life, someone who was focused on a certain point, someone who knew where they were going. And so the archer was revered in uh, Greek culture as someone who had focus and determination. And so if we think about that, it makes sense that in the days of the early church, one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine, said that scripture allows us to find where we cast the arrow, where we aim the arrow. 
In fact, what he said was, we can have focus, we can have determination, but unless we come to Scripture, we don't even know where to put our feet. We don't know what direction to, to orient ourselves. We could be facing north, south, east, west. We don't know until we come to the Word of God where that target is that we should be aiming for. And so uh, as we talk about pursuing holiness and finding this direction for our life, and as we consider what the psalmist says about children being the arrows in our quiver, it's important for us to consider as we pursue holiness ourselves, where are we sending the future? Where are we sending the future generation? How are we setting our children and our grandchildren and the kids in this church on the right path for the future. And should we do that? That's a good question. Because the world will tell you that teaching a kid your faith, passing on your faith to a child, is like brainwashing. It's indoctrination. I know this because uh, when Claire and I first had kids and we would bring them to church, we heard that a lot. Well, you're brainwashing your children. You need to let them make their own decisions. Let them decide if they want to grow up in the faith. In fact, according to debate.org, 85% of Americans say that raising children in the church is a form of brainwashing. 85% of Americans feel that way. That's alarming, but it's also foolishness. Because if we look at the definition of brainwashing, it doesn't even qualify. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines brainwashing as a forcible indoctrination to induce someone to give up their predetermined thought patterns and accept contrasting regimented ideas. So brainwashing means replacing something that is already there. Children are born with a clean slate. Children are like a sponge. Their mind is like a sponge. They are going to soak up whatever is around them. So it's not brainwashing if we give them the fundamentals of our faith. If it's not brainwashing, if we pass on to them who Jesus is, what he teaches, what salvation means, what it looks like. What we are doing is we are giving them a foundation to build their life upon. Because I'll say this, if we don't give them that foundation, someone else will. Someone else will give them a different foundation. And they will build their life on competing truths or misconceptions, really, that the world has to offer. And if there's any doubt about that, just spend some time looking or listening to what is in the culture that your kids are exposed to whether it's music or television or movies or, or whatever it may be, there are competing voices vying for our children's attention that run completely contrary to what God desires for them. And so it is up to us to give them that foundation to build on because they're not going to get it somewhere else. If we want our children to have faith to build on, if we want them to know that they can carry hope into the future, that when tragedy strikes, they, they have a firm foundation to stand on. When they're uncertain about their future, they have a hope which is in Christ Jesus. If we want them to have that, it's up to us to show them that. 
to reveal that to them. Because the world will not do that for us. Now, I've heard people say, well, when kids get a certain age, they'll figure out what they believe anyway. So just let them get to that age. And that's true. Once we reach a certain age, we start to process things differently. And we like to to look at things objectively. But if we don't give them the tools and the foundation to build on, they don't know which direction to go. There's a popular word uh, in the culture right now, and, and it makes a lot of people in the church nervous to hear it, but it's, it's called deconstructing. If you've heard of that, it's um, when people say, I'm deconstructing my faith. What that means is I was raised in the faith, and now I'm in the process of questioning it all. And I want to say we should not be scared of someone going through that. Because that means that they are truly examining what they've been given, what they've been taught, and they're they're little by little picking it apart and seeing, is this what I believe? Is this real? And what happens, not all the time, but a lot of times as people start to deconstruct their faith, as young adults start to deconstruct their faith, is they get down to a certain foundation. And they realize that there is some truth there that it was built on. And so they begin to reconstruct their faith based on that foundation. And that foundation is laid by you and by me, by us, the church, by the saints who came before us, who laid the foundation for us to build upon. And so if we're looking at the future, if we're looking at the children and the youth and the young adults and how they're going to grow and how they're going to build The burden of responsibility falls on us. It falls on the church to not only lay that foundation, but to also give them the tools to continue to build their faith upon. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Of course, the best way to train up a child in the way that they should go is to go that way ourselves. And that's why this whole series has been so important. If we are going to pursue holiness, if we are going to look different than what the rest of the world is trying to do, then we have to actively aim for that target if we expect the next generation who comes behind us to do the same. Now, this this shouldn't come as a shock to us. We train kids in all sorts of areas. If they're gifted athletes, we get them started early. When they're this high, we've got them swinging, hitting a ball off a tee, right? Or if they show some sort of, um, you know, engineering leaning, we, 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 we give them Legos. We put blocks in their hands. We encourage them to build. And if they're, if they're curious about the world and the way it works, we give them things, give them tools, and we tell them, ask questions, explore. These are great things. We want them to start reading early. The, the, the reading age becomes earlier and earlier, and we want kids to, to get a head start on reading so that they can always be a little bit above their grade level. And we want to give them every advantage in life in all of these areas, and that's wonderful. But what is more important than this? What is more important than telling our children and our grandchildren and the kids here at, at church What is more important than letting them know your life means something, even right now? You have purpose. You are loved. And as life throws things at you, which it will, 
Storms are going to come. Hurt is going to come. What can be more important and more impactful than us showing the children and the youth and the young adults? This is what Jesus Christ has to offer you in the midst of those seasons. There are so many benefits to our, our faith. It offers us emotional, emotional stability, but it also offers us a feeling of love, a working knowledge of God's love and how that works in our lives. These are important tools for the next generation to have. Now, I gave you the alarming stat that 85% of people say that teaching children your faith is a form of indoctrination. Let me give you another alarming stat. Uh, These surveys were done by the Barna Research Group. Um, This one... I cut off the label. I apologize for that. But this is American Christians who were surveyed. 85% of them say that their faith was formed between the ages of 4 and 14. 85% of American believers surveyed. Their faith was formed between the ages of 4 and 14. If that is not mind-blowing enough, look at the next group, age 15 to 30. That's another 10%. So that's 95%. 95% of Christians surveyed said that their faith was formed before they reached the age of 30. And, of course, there's others, too. There's always outliers. And maybe your story is one of those outliers. Maybe you came to, to know Jesus at a later age, and that's wonderful. But this right here stresses how important it is for us to invest in the future generations. Because if we really want to do something about our future, that's where it's at. We can complain all we want to about the state of the nation, the politics, Congress, whatever. The education system, the health care system, leadership in the church. We can complain and complain and complain. But if we are not investing in the next generation and giving them a firm foundation to stand on and build on and pointing them towards the path of holiness that none of these other voices are going to offer them, then we are failing them. And we are failing our own future in the process. That's why the psalmist says children are like arrows. We launch them into the future. And we won't be here forever. But where did we launch them? Did we send them towards the pursuit of holiness? It's my prayer that we are faithful in doing that. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, what's all this we stuff? I don't have kids. But maybe you have grandkids. Maybe you have other children in your orbit. We all have children in our orbit. All of us. All of us have young people that that we could influence, that we could shape in some way. And so that responsibility falls on all of us in the church. Not just your own children, not just your own grandchildren, but all of those who look to you for a voice, for direction. I'm pleased to see here today my first best friend that I ever had. Uh, Jeff Reagan grew up with him and, uh, and his Sister Laurie has uh, been coming for a few weeks too, but I'm, I'm glad to see them. And, and when I see them, I'm reminded of where I came from and who invested in me. 
And I remember on my fifth birthday, Jeff gave me a book that was the, uh, it, was, it was a book of Bible stories. And on the cover, it had David and Goliath. I still have this book. And, and when you open it up, uh, their mom had written a note inside encouraging me, saying, praying that you have a heart after God just as David did. I still have that. I still think about that. And that's just a small way. Someone who wasn't even my parent, wasn't my pastor, wasn't my Sunday school teacher, but it was a way that someone invested in my future, in my faith. And all of us had the chance, the opportunity to do that for the next generation. But we have to look at the future and we have to accept responsibility and say it's up to us to train them and to train them well. The psalmist says, if you build your house, but the Lord does not build it, your labor is in vain. What that means is you can do all the things you want for your home, for your children, your grandchildren, for the church. You, you can uh, come up with all the best decisions that you think are good for the future. But if God is not ultimately in charge, if you are not uh, going in the direction God is leading with that building, it means nothing. So it falls on us, all of us. Jesus said that if anyone causes a little one to stumble, it would be better that they have a millstone tied around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Now, he didn't say if any parent causes them to stumble, if any pastor causes them to stumble, any youth pastor, he said if anyone, meaning that all of us have a responsibility. And this church does a great job in sharing that responsibility. I am very proud of the parents and the volunteers, the children that came up here and sang earlier. So many people have invested in making that happen, bringing them here, but also teaching them, leading them. And Beth Hudson, our, our children's minister, I'm so grateful for her and the, the direction she gives. If you're not following the Pierce Chapel Kids and Families uh, page on Facebook, you, you should do that because there are some wonderful, and not just for parents, but there are wonderful resources on what you can do, conversations that you can have in your home, ways to grow in your faith together. I've been excited to see our youth how it has grown, the leadership there, the parents that have volunteered. And it takes a village. It takes all of us to invest in our future and train up the next generation in the way they should go. But we should never shake that responsibility off. We should never downplay it because these kids are going to grow up one day and they're going to remember something about you. They're going to remember either that you are one of the saints that laid the foundation for them or they're going to remember that, yeah, you were just there. Maybe you let them down. Maybe you let them down because you misled them. Maybe you let them down because you were complacent. But the responsibility is on us to teach, lead, and guide, and to do that in love, reflecting God's love. Because one of the most harmful lies that the secular world has to offer us is that we don't need to mention God religion, Jesus, to our children. But we're not pushing religion on them. We are equipping them. We are equipping them with a firm foundation built on God's love, and we can all make the difference in the life of a child, whether it's here in church 
whether it's through teaching or whether it's simply offering them care and mercy in their time of need. When we spend time training and teaching our children, we're not just doing what God desires, but we're being stewards of the most precious commodity that he has given us. We are being faithful stewards of people that he has placed into our lives. May we all be faithful in the way that he is calling us to. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, we thank you for being patient with us, for giving us a foundation to build on, for giving us a target to aim for. Lord, we ask that you would equip us and ready us to do the same for those that come behind us. Allow us, Lord, to train and teach and instruct and love in a way that builds the church into the future, that allows your kingdom on earth to be strengthened and fortified through the future generations. Allow us to continue to pursue holiness, to aim for that target with all that we have so that even as we cast the arrows before us, they too will be set on the right path. Lord, forgive us for all the times we failed in this. But thank you for your grace and for your restoration and for a new day, for a new chapter, for a new journey ahead of us where we can pursue holiness and in doing so, bring those who come behind us along with us. May all of those who come behind us find us faithful. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love. Go to serve. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.